Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you as those who are not in any way deserving of your love, but also as those who are so remarkably grateful that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, Lord, within the context of your love this morning and here in your presence, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, that you would make us different. Lord, we confess we are all sinners, all of us. We are all in need of your salvation through Jesus Christ. And we are all in need of your grace and mercy. But Lord, we're so thankful that through Jesus you have given your grace. You have extended your mercy. And for all who trust and follow Jesus, you have granted your forgiveness. For that we are so thankful. So Lord, speak to our hearts. Let us be more like Jesus when we go back out into the world today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, today is the Advent Sunday of peace. It is the day every year that we set aside to remember that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And today we are going to look in our decided series at the lives of Mary and Joseph, pretty big characters in the Christmas story. But as we look at the lives of Mary and Joseph, one of the things that we're going to see is that as they welcomed the Prince of Peace into their own family, and as through them God sent the Prince of Peace to all of us, their journey to delivering peace was anything but peaceful. How many of you have found that in your life? Sometimes when we or on life's journey to get to God's peace that passes all understanding, we have to navigate some turmoil along the way. In fact, I think God does that to some degree intentionally so that we might understand his peace. You know, if we never knew chaos, if we never knew turmoil, if we never knew conflict, if we never knew how bad it could be sometimes in a sin-fallen world, then we couldn't quite understand how good it is to rest in the peace of God that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and guards our minds in Christ Jesus. I remember when I first came to Christ and and was really getting involved in my faith, I kept hearing Christians talk about this peace they had, usually in the context of a decision. Oh, I made a decision and and I just have a peace that has come over me. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't quite understand it then because all the decisions that I made in seeking to follow God, (laughs) they weren't the most peaceful decisions I'd ever made. And I can tell you that decades later, that's still true. Just because God has called you to it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Just because God has called you to do something or to be something or to engage in something that he wants you to do for his glory and the world's good, that doesn't mean that your soul is just always going to be at ease through it all. No, sometimes God calls us to persevere through difficult circumstances so that we might understand just how amazing His peace truly is. 
And let me tell you, if you're in Christ Jesus, you've repented of your sin and you've received Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, what awaits you because of Jesus' finished work on the cross and resurrection is an eternity of perfect peace. Peace with God through Jesus Christ your Lord and an everlasting experience of the peace of God through Jesus Christ your Lord. That's what awaited Mary and Joseph, but to get there, they had to go through some difficulties. So your theme for today is Mary and Joseph decided to follow God, and their lives were transformed. Mary and Joseph decided to follow God, and their lives were transformed. I want to invite you to look with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 46 through 55 to start our message today. And if you're in the Red Pew Bible here uh, in the sanctuary, that is page 856. Page 856. Much like we did last week with Zechariah and Elizabeth, we're going to go to the, the outcome of Mary and Joseph deciding to follow God in this moment and see where they landed and then we'll go back and look what they went through to get to where they landed. But I want you to hear part of Mary's beautiful song of praise known as the Magnificat. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Luke, Luke records this. And Mary says this as they are carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary speaks and even sings this song as she is filled with the peace of God, and as she is going to be the, the avenue through which God delivers his Prince of Peace, let's see how she got there. Now look with me at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So if you're in the Bible, just flip one page back. This is the story of the birth of Jesus and how it was foretold. Some of you have been to the place where this happened. We got to go there this past year. What an amazing reality to go to what is believed to be the childhood home of Mary and to be in that place where the angel Gabriel visited her so long ago. Remember this story from Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the, <clears throat> in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Our first point today is this. Mary and Joseph followed God through the unbelievable. Mary and Joseph followed God through the unbelievable. Now, I want us to put ourselves in Mary's shoes for just a moment, because if you're like me, then this story has kind of become romanticized in your mind over the course of your lifetime. So there is Mary in her home. She's just doing her thing. I don't know what she was doing. She probably wasn't in her room listening to records. You know, they didn't have records back then. She was probably just taking care of what she had to take care of that day. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. Now, I don't know why I've had it in my mind all these years that that must have been a regular occurrence, but it wasn't a regular occurrence. Mary didn't have angels just show up and start talking to her. So I want you to put yourself in your room at your house, just doing your regular thing on a regular day, and now let's have the angel Gabriel show up in your room. Pretty unbelievable, isn't it? I love the fact that anytime an angel shows up in Scripture, one of the first things the angel will say is, fear not. Because if you're in your room just doing your thing, you might be tempted to be afraid of this glistening, glimmering, shining creature that is there in your presence now speaking to you. So that's pretty unbelievable. An angel shows up to this young girl and starts talking. Then the angel shares a message with her that she is about to become great with child by the Holy Spirit. That's pretty unbelievable. I don't think that Mary had been to ninth grade biology class. But she had a sense of how things happened and how the world worked. I would imagine she'd probably had a conversation or two with her parents by this point. But the angel said that the Holy Spirit of God will come upon you and you will become great with child. That's pretty unbelievable. But then listen to what Gabriel said to her about this baby boy who would be born to her. He said that the child would be God's Messiah. And here's how he said that. He said that your child will be called the Son of the Most High. In Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8 and verse 12, you have what is the first messianic prophecy, Psalm. It says, I will tell of this decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And then the psalm ends by saying, Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you, and you perish in the way. So the angel says to Mary that your child will be called the son of the Most 
high. Mary was not ignorant of the scriptures. And I can only imagine that in her mind, this song started to play because that's what the Psalms were. They were songs. And I have a hunch that Mary probably knew many of the Psalms by heart. And as a people who were under the the thumb of Rome and who were yearning for the coming of Messiah, I have a hunch that the Messianic Psalms were pretty dear to their hearts. Your son, Mary, will be called the Son of the Most High, the one to whom God says, I am your father. Today I have begotten you. The angel said to Mary that her son would sit upon the throne of his father, David. And here Gabriel references the Davidic covenant whereby God spoke to David that his line would be an everlasting kingdom. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, this is the promise that God made to David. He said, when your days, David, are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And this is God speaking to David that this everlasting king would come through his line. The Messiah would be born of the line of David. And so, Mary, your son will sit upon the throne of his father David. He said that this child would reign over the house of Jacob. Now, remember, Mary is just a young girl within the house of Jacob, the people of Israel. But her child will be the one that Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, when he said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that of his kingdom there shall be no end. God had said to David in 2 Samuel 7, 16, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And so the angel is communicating to Mary that the author of life is going to bring forth life in her womb. And that that life, which would be brought forth into the world through her, would be God's Messiah the one they had been waiting on for so long. That's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable that all of this would happen to her, but as unbelievable as it all was, Mary's response was to trust and follow God even when she couldn't wrap her mind around everything she had just heard. Mary and Joseph followed God through the unbelievable, and their lives were transformed. You know, sometimes God's going to do unbelievable things in our lives. We've got a woman in our church right now who is getting ready to go from the hospital to rehab, and it's unbelievable. 
Because all the doctors and all the medical professionals said, yeah, her journey on earth has come to an end. And we were preparing ourselves for that, all of us. And yet she's doing well. She's smiling. She's laughing. She's looking at an iPhone. She's going to therapy. And it's unbelievable. But you know, with our God, the unbelievable becomes believable because with our God, what the world might say is impossible is remarkably possible. And so Mary trusted God through the unbelievable. Well, now let's look at Joseph. So turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. This is the very beginning of the New Testament. If you are in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 807. Page 807. This is the passage that the Anderson family read to us this morning. But I want us to hear it again because Matthew's gospel gives us a glimpse into Joseph. Now, again, take a moment and put yourself in Joseph's shoes as you hear this text. And let's see how God moved. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew is a saved tax collector who writes these things as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Our second point, Mary and Joseph followed God through the inconceivable. Mary and Joseph followed God through the inconceivable. Once again, let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for just a moment. And let's go to what is not recorded in Scripture, but what you know had to happen. That conversation between Mary and Joseph, when Mary shared the good news that the angel Gabriel had shared with her about what was getting ready to happen in their lives. Now, they were betrothed to one another. They were engaged. They were going to be married. All that was set. But they hadn't been married yet. And so there were some things that hadn't happened between them because they were followers of Almighty God and they were going to do things God's way and not their own. So I can just imagine Mary coming to Joseph and saying, Joe, we need to talk. And you know, anytime a conversation begins with, we need to talk, it's going to be interesting. Amen? You been there? Joe, we need to talk. Sure. What's up, Mary? Well, um... I've got good news. I was at home the other day in my room, and, and the angel Gabriel came from heaven to visit me, appeared before me, and told me this wonderful news that 
I am going to become great with child by the Holy Spirit, and now, Joe, I'm pregnant. This is amazing. And the one that will be born from me will be called the Son of the Most High. The government will rest upon his shoulders. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, you're Joseph. Again, this stuff doesn't happen every day. Joe has been visited by angels as many times as you have been visited by angels. And Mary's just shared this news with him. How do you take it if you're Joseph? Are you kidding me? Come on, Mary. I mean, you know, we've done this thing right. We have followed God through all of this, despite societal pressure, despite our own temptation. We have done this thing right. I have been righteous toward you. I cannot believe. First of all, you lost your mind. I know an angel hadn't showed up. That doesn't happen. You're crazy. And I'm going to tell you something. I can't believe you've done this to me. Now, remember, they're in an honor-shame culture, okay? And in an honor-shame culture, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you bring shame upon yourself or have shame brought upon you. In the United States of America in the 21st century, we live in what is called a guilt-innocence culture. The worst thing that can happen to us is that we be guilty or we be seen as being guilty. That's the way our culture works. But in an honor-shame culture, the absolute worst thing that can happen to you is for shame to fall upon you. And in Joseph's perspective, he had to believe that Mary had brought shame upon herself, upon her family, and certainly upon him and upon his family. But Joseph was a good man. And the Bible says he had resolved to divorce her quietly. He wasn't going to make a spectacle of her. And he wasn't going to make a spectacle of their situation. What Mary told him was inconceivable. What she had shared with him didn't happen. Just as it doesn't happen in our world today, it didn't happen in that world back then. And Joseph had to be looking at Mary with furrowed brow saying, are you, are you kidding me? You really expect me to believe that all this is true? You've lost your mind. And then Joseph takes a nap. And while Joseph is taking a nap, the Bible says an angel of the Lord appears to him. Again, not an everyday occurrence. I would say probably an angel of the Lord has appeared to Joseph as many times as an angel of the Lord has appeared to you at this point. And the angel of the Lord communicates to Joseph saying, Joseph, son of David. Does that matter? It matters. 2 Samuel 7 depends upon the fact that Joseph is a descendant of David. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So when Joseph awakes, he's heard from God. He's heard from God's messenger. And so now, he joins Mary in seeking to figure out how they do all this. The angel says to him that you will name him Jesus. That name means something. That name matters. 
In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. It can also be pronounced Yehoshua. It means Yahweh saves. That name is profoundly meaningful. Jesus' very name tells us the, the mission that he came to fulfill, that Yahweh was so loving the world that he sent Jesus to save. Save all who would trust and follow him that we could be forgiven of our sin, washed clean, and made new. So you will name him Jesus. And the reason you will name him Jesus is because he will fulfill the meaning of his name throughout the course of his life. He will save his people from their sins. But then secondly, Joseph, your child will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the prophet said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So you're Joseph. You've had a very interesting conversation with your betrothed. You're ready to end it. You're going to do it quietly. You don't want to make it a spectacle of her. And now you've heard from God too. God has sent his messenger to you to confirm that that which is happening in Mary is of God. And the child that will be brought forth from Mary, that Joseph, you are going to be responsible for raising. It is Emmanuel. He is God and he is with us. Pretty inconceivable, isn't it? In fact, for those of you who I know have it going in your mind right now, you fans of The Princess Bride, you're thinking of Vizzini right now, aren't you? Inconceivable. Because it is. Again, so often as we approach the Christmas story, we we do so through romanticized vision because we see the front of the Christmas cards we've seen all our lives. It's, It's the picture that's on the sign of First Baptist Church. The beautiful, idyllic little picture of the stable and the manger and the hay and the the beautiful dark navy blue sky and the stars shining above it, and, and it was amazing. Some of us have gotten to go to the shepherd's fields in Bethlehem. We've gotten to go to the very place where they believed Jesus was born. We've gotten to see the manger where they laid him. It is phenomenal. But if we look at Mary and Joseph and what they heard from God leading up to this, it was crazy. It was unbelievable. It was inconceivable. So, God's ways don't always make sense. How many of you have found that? God's ways don't always make sense. But God is faithful. And even when we can't wrap our minds around it, our God will bring us through. I want to encourage you to turn with me now to Luke chapter 1. We're going back to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 46 through 50. And we're going back to Mary's song, the Magnificat. And we'll end with what Mary said. This is also at the bottom of your notes. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy 
is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Our third point is this. Mary and Joseph followed God who is merciful. Mary and Joseph followed God who is merciful. In response to to all that the angel had told them and in response to all that God was doing, Mary praises the Lord. She worships Him from the deepest parts of who she is. She magnifies His name. And in gratitude, she gives all praise and all glory to Almighty God. She trusted God, and therefore she followed God. Joseph trusted God, and therefore he followed God. And even though it didn't make sense, it didn't make sense biologically, it didn't make sense in terms of society, it didn't make sense in any way to them, they trusted God, and so they decided to trust God. And because they trusted God, and because they decided to trust God, God brought forth from them the Savior of the world. God not only blessed them by providing to them, through them, their own Redeemer, but God blessed the world by bringing to all of us the very Son of God who lived a life without sin and then who died in our place the death that you and I deserve to die, but who death couldn't hold and on the third day arose from the grave and lives victoriously today. You know, the Christmas story is a real story. It's nothing made up. It's not a fairy tale. These things really happened. You can go, well, not today, but in other times, you can go to the places where they happened because they really happened. And Mary and Joseph weren't these superheroes. They were just people. They were people who had fixed their gaze upon Almighty God and said, I'll follow you, Lord. A lot like you and me. Just regular people, living their faith, trying to make it through. And when God appeared, when God sent his messenger, and God told them messages that were both unbelievable and inconceivable, they trusted that their merciful God was doing something that although they couldn't understand, would be a blessing to them and to the whole world. Well, do you know that God is able to do that through you and me too? Now, the Messiah has already come. You're not going to deliver the Messiah, okay? But here's what we do know. That our God is willing and able to dwell within us through his Holy Spirit. And he is willing and able to bring forth from us things that glorify him, things that bless us, and things that bless the world. But in order for that to happen, we have to be like Mary and Joseph. We have to be willing for him to do those things. Surrendered to his will, saying, Lord, although I don't understand, I'm in. I trust you, and I will follow you, no matter how unbelievable or inconceivable it all may seem. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.